0: All right, everyone. Welcome back. Thanks for joining. We're going to keep the uh, DTF train rolling here. This is not a DTF show, by the way, although the last three episodes seem to be DTF centric. It just seems to be the hot topic right now. And some of the responses and questions seems like we just want to keep that rolling. So um, we'd like to uh, introduce our guest here. We have Lucas Crossley, who's our regional manager in Canada. Um, Lucas, if you don't mind just kind of introducing yourself and maybe talking a little bit about the Mamaki brand for our listeners who are unfamiliar with it, um, that'd be great.
1: Yeah, sure, Zach. So yeah, my name is Lucas Crossley. I'm the regional manager for Mamaki here in, uh, in Canada. I've been with the company now for almost 10 years and I've been in the business now for uh, I think about 20 years now. And uh, certainly this should be a fun discussion. Uh, my roots actually go back to um, apparel decoration kind of started um, back in the early 2000s, I think was probably one of the first people invented to print on, uh, uh, you know, like really thin 55 micron uh, uh, polyurethane products and, you know, be able to apply them to, you know, dark dark garments and stretch yep. and all that stuff because we were testing all that back in those days. So certainly have some uh, some thoughts and feelings on the direct-to-film market and, and and how it's really just completely changed the way we do things. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: Definitely, and well, Mimaki. You want to talk a little bit about you know when it started, where it is now, growth we see Yeah, seen. sure. I'll
1: give you the I'll give you the thirty second elevator speech. Um, yeah, I mean Mimaki is uh, um, a Japanese uh, company. We're actually listed on the Tokyo uh, stock exchange under Mamaki Engineering, so we are publicly traded. Um, that's our parent company, and then you know the analogy that I sometimes give to uh, folks here in Canada or especially in Ontario is. You know, we're sort of like uh Mamaki USA is kinda of like brewers retail is to the to the to the brewers. So if you if you know that relationship essentially, they make the beer and then brewers retail distributes it. So that's Mamaki USA's business. We're the distribution arm for Mamaki engineering out of Japan. And we've been in business now since nineteen seventy seven. So we've been around for really long time we're publicly traded and as an engineering company um you know we employ engineers right chemical engineers electrical engineers mechanical engineers all these people come together to build and develop these products that we that we bring to market there's a 30 second spill
2: yeah and like for me so hey guys thanks for for joining along it's really good to see everybody uh i love doing this podcast but for me when you're speaking about maki and like how long it's been in the market how long you guys have been there For me, being in the large format printing as well, because I have the car wrap side of things like the the business and and banners and all that. We've always seen Mamaki be a leader in pretty much, for example, UV printing and now like white ink circulation. How are you guys able to stay ahead in the market? Um, That's changing so quickly, especially now with DTF coming and you guys being the first big manufacturer coming out with the DTF. How are you guys able to, to do that?
1: Yeah, that's a re- really good question. Essentially, what we do is is we have a corporate mandate to reinvest a percentage of annual global revenue into research and development. Um, it's a pretty big number. You know, we are a global company. We operate throughout the entire world. And, uh, and, and a percentage of all of that revenue goes back into research and development. And, you know, one of the things that impressed me with Mimaki early on is that, you know, they do exploratory trips where they will travel to different regions and they'll, they'll come out to, you know, my technology center here in Canada. They'll go okay. visit our offices in the U.S. And what they do is they meet with our key dealers. So they meet with all of our uh, uh, dealers that have long-time relationships with us and they literally will ask them. What should we be making? You know, it's, it's a pretty Same. grassroots uh, way of doing it, but it's highly effective. You know, we, um, that's how we started for, you know, the JFX 200, which Zach, as you know, has been insanely popular. We've done really, really sure. well with that platform. It's very stable. It's very reliable. It's at a price point that is, you know, well suited to the market. And it's literally simply just by asking our dealers, hey, what, what do you see? What do we need? You know?
0: and then you have your more aggressive dealers like rb digital we were pounding on the mamaki door like three years ago saying like hey there's something going on here we're seeing a big (laughs) shift in the market you guys got to jump in this so yeah i'm sure you guys also get some push too and you get enough of it coming from different areas of the world and it's like all right guys i think we got to focus on this and invest some resources yeah and absolutely that's one of the things that you see with the chinese companies you know they they come up with an idea, they design it, they build it, and then they start selling it the next day. Whereas, you know, Mamaki, you guys have been working on this probably three years now, I, I would assume. Um, that's when we kind of started, you know, pushing it around with you guys and saying, hey, take a look at this tech. Um, but uh, I, I think it's, it's the the approach that Mamaki takes to really, you know, take a platform. I mean, it's very similar to the CJV in a sense where you got the, yeah. the frame and whatnot. So you, you don't have to waste Absolutely. any time on that. It's just like, hey, let's look at some newing sets. Let's look at adding some technologies. Let's take a look at what people are struggling with the Chinese machines um, and how yeah. to kind of fix that. And then field test them, you know, so people are always like, you know, brother, Japan, uh, Epson, Japan. Uh, Mamaki, Japan. You got all these Japanese players, and everyone's like, "Where are they?" It's because they don't want to tarnish the brand and put something out. They can, they can get it out probably in a month or two. But you guys take the time, put in some big accounts, R and D it, and really put it through its paces before taking it to market. So you give the dealers like ourselves, and also our end customers, you know, a seamless integration process. You know, it's it's been amazing to see how easy it's been to implement the technology um and uh, i think that's a testament to the r and d uh, that that mamaki does as a company
1: yeah and the partnerships between mamaki and its and its dealers you know um, the, you know it's it's a very different uh proposition for an established business like mamaki um you know when we're going to release a product because you know we have a reputation in the industry and our business is built off of the reputation so we do have to have you know due diligence when it comes to putting a new product into the marketplace you know unfortunately with some of the things we see coming in offshore it's kind of a take the money and run sort of approach you know um, oh, yeah. credit that totally. they are quick to recognize trends and quick to be able to develop technology and and, and get it into the marketplace but there's a massive disconnect between you know Providing someone with a product, but then also supporting it and making sure that that product kind of has long-term success. And um, that's where those companies, you know, those offshore companies have, have really failed people, in, in my opinion. And, and I feel bad, you know, look at the, the old adage, you know, you get what you pay for. It's still true, <laughs> you No, know, and, and unfortunately, you know, we do, we are in, in a time where there's, there's a lot more pressure on people you know, things are more expensive than they've ever been, um, you know, inflation and interest rates and all these things are having an impact on, you know, families. Um, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, in my personal experience, regardless of whether it's business or whatever it is, I typically find that, you know, you're better off to do your research and, and, and invest in something that, you know, has the ability to support you if, if you do run into problems, because you can't promise anybody that you're never going to have a problem, but if you have the infrastructure in place to support customers when they do, And that's that's the expectation, right, where these other companies that are coming in offshore, it's literally take your money and and, and run sort of thing. And I've always found that, you know, like I said, if you do the research and invest uh, in a product that has a reputation, you're probably going to save more in the long run. Because I think, Zach, and you can probably attest to this, there's been a lot of folks that have taken these machines they brought in out out of Asia and literally mothballed them. And you know, what yeah. a waste of money and time and resources, right?
2: No, I feel like it just goes with the values of the company and and, and the long term growth of the company. Like right in nineteen seventy six, that's when the company was founded. Now today, we're in two thousand and twenty four, where the company's still there and, and thriving, right? So the values of the company is not to, to make money today; it's to make still make yeah. money t- ten years down the road. So which is completely different than the, those imported machines, where you buy a machine, there's no support, right? And then you get zach where they start selling machines now you get support from them but they don't have support from the manufacturer that's overseas which is crazy for me that like thanks zach and rb and all these guys dtf superstore that were able to import those machines and they were like you know what we're going to give support to those printers because they need support so luckily we had people like that but now with mamaki coming in like for us we bought machines before rb started selling any machine so we imported our own machines and uh Zach was like, Sean, like, you know, you should get some new like DTF machines. And I was like, no, nope, I'm not doing it. Yeah, no chance. Until Mimaki, Zach was like, hey, Sean, yeah. Mimaki came out with a machine. I was like, all right, uh, when listening. can I get my 300? Yeah,
1: And exactly. the reason why
2: is because I, like, I knew that Mimaki has been there for 50 years. So for me, in my mind, I was like, if the machine doesn't work or there's a problem, we're still well, like, we're going to have support and they're going to fix it. They're not there to make a quick buck off of me, right? Yeah. Totally. If, um,
1: well, first of all, you know. Thank you obviously for your business you know it's that that's that's a very um, important thing for us is that you know we can develop these relationships where where we grow together and the old saying that I've kind of always had is you know it's not really that difficult to sell the first printer to somebody right you know that can be done you know you can you can get that first sale but getting them to buy their second printer or their third printer or still be a customer of yours five and ten years down the road is is yep. much more challenging and like you said you know we we're, we've been here since nineteen in the 1970s and you know you don't accomplish that you know kind of taking the money and running right so and and i think to our business model and i might be jumping ahead here a little bit so i apologize if i am but our business model is different i mean zach you you guys use our place yep. um on a regular basis right we have what we call technology centers so in in toronto we have an eleven thousand square foot facility that's fully staffed so i have mamaki uh, uh technicians in the building i have a service manager in the building i have channel sales reps and i have a print solution specialist and then i also have somebody to help you know um uh, uh, you know, Zach and his team, you know, when they print the POs in and all this kind of stuff. So but the biggest advantage to having this is we have all the machines in the building and we have the technical people there to bring you in, you know, do your print samples for you, educate you on the machine and how it works and what you need to know about it. And then not only that, but the classroom we have upstairs we use for training for, um for Zach's technicians, for example. So they come in. They get full PowerPoint overview of, of the hardware that they're working yeah. on and then they come yeah. downstairs with our with our um technicians and they they grab a screwdriver and start taking stuff apart, you know. So you know it's a big investment for I mean you know, you know, if you're yep, paying yeah. rent in Toronto, you know what I mean, yeah, right? Eleven thousand <laughs> it's not cheap, you know, no. and then I'm fully staffed, right? So you yeah. know it's a it's a significant investment for our company. However, um and it's unique. Not everybody does this. There's some pretty big manufacturers no. that don't have what we have. They and, rely on the dealers uh, at, at times. They and rely that's on the dealers, expense. which is yeah. yeah, which is fine, which yep. is fine. But you know, um, we just feel like our approach is a little bit more kind of hand in hand. And it's worked really well for us since we've opened up.
0: Yeah, there's, there's two points that you had kind of uh, touched on. Uh, one of them was was talking about, you know, getting people to buy their, you know, second or third machines, a challenge. And we've seen I'm, I'm very active in a lot of the Facebook groups. And, you know, guys that started with the Chinese, they brought in the first Mamaki, and some of them were already up to like two, three, four, five or five machines. Um, I mean, talking to some of the dealers in the States, they got guys who already buy like six units, right? So I mean, it's a testament to that the technology Crazy. is tried and true. I mean, Lucas, like when we brought these in, I'm like, all right, Lucas. I'm selling a lot of these. We're gonna be good, right? You're like, we're gonna be good. I'm like, you're sure gonna be good because I haven't been good for three years. Like, I'm telling you, we're gonna be good. And it was. Yeah. And in the beginning, I was like, I was like, okay, well, we're we're not gonna put in a ton of them. Let's kind of, and we put them in. And I talked to text and I'm like, any problems? They're like, no, we're good. I'm like, okay. A week later, any problems? No. And I'm calling up the customers. We're good. Yeah, we're good. Why, why are you so concerned? I'm like, I'm just checking. I'm just checking. <laughs> you know,
2: <laughs> I've had nightmares with the other ones. Yeah.
0: Exactly, that's what it comes down to, and and the second point that I want to touch on before we jump into more of the specifics of the TXF, you're talking about price point. Now, yes, the machine is more expensive than if you import it from China. However, I'm talking a Chinese printer. However, for dealers, established dealers who are selling the Chinese machines. As you know, you have to bake in a very healthy margin to continue to support it, right? We're not doing hit 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 and runs here. We want to make sure you're yeah. successful, so we have to bake in a margin. That being said, Lucas, when we look at what we were selling our Chinese machine for, and then the mamaki, it was the same. We literally did our our two head machine, which is the same speed as the single head TXF, more or less. We were selling for the same price, and our four head, which is essentially the same speed, more or less, as a two head, uh, was in line. So there luckily wasn't sticker shock. Um, we thought that it would probably come in at a much higher price point, but you guys did a very good job in keeping it competitive in the market. Um, and I think that's why it's been, one of the reasons why it's been received so quickly. So, um, so yeah, that being said, TXF, let's jump into that. As we know, that's, that's the model that everyone's running right now. Um, you know, what were some of the main goals that Mamaki tried to achieve with their TXF series?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the main one is one we've been sort of talking about, you know, since we got on the call, and that's just the reliability in the way you're printing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, whenever you jet white ink, um, there are some challenges associated with that. And, you know, white ink is something that mamaki has been involved with for a very long time on our eco solvent machines, on our UV machines. Uh, you know, we've been doing this for a lot of years. And so one of the challenges with white ink is it has particulates in it that can actually settle in your ink lines and settle in your in your um, printhead and clog. Right. If you think of a printhead, it's, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like a shower head with all these nozzles in it. Yep. Once it's clogged, it, it's not going to function. So um, that big thing that we that we looked at and one of the things that maybe you, you might not be aware of is that actually, you know, part of Mamaki's um, portfolio is that we manufacture our own ink so uh and that's that's really key because we we have really significant quality control over the way we make the ink and so when we're developing you know the electronics that are going to tell the piezo how to flex and how to fire we know the viscosity of the ink because we made it so we can you know really tailor that to actually work really really well together and so um the big thing that we noticed in the marketplace and you know through conversations you know with yourself and customers is that You know, people were constantly trying to clean and do maintenance and the heads were clogging and they were down and they were frustrated. And there's a lot of, you know, kind of shortcuts that some of these manufacturers were keen. I remember being at a trade show. Uh, maybe a year and a half ago and walking around and kind of looking at some of the machines and like they're literally like an open bottle that they're pouring ink into yep. on the back of the machine. Shaking it that up is,
0: first like crazy. Yep. That is a
1: <laughs> recipe for disaster. Like on any printer, I don't care what kind of technology it is, you have to <laughs> unscrew a cap and go like this and pour a bottle in and run for the hills because you're, you're you're literally opening the bottle and running the risk of... Introducing contaminants to your ink, right? And those nozzles are tiny. It doesn't take much to clog them up. So, so you know what we did was first of all we we, we vacuum sealed uh, our ink and, and degassed it in aluminum packaging. And so, you know, this is this is some of the stuff that maybe you know, when you really start looking at it, you start to understand maybe why there's a little bit higher cost to, to the way you do things. Is it cheaper to take ink and dump it in a bottle with a screw cap on it than it is to vacuum seal it and degas it and put it in an aluminum package? Well, yes, it is. 100%. But you're going to pay for that when you're underneath the printer trying to clean it and get it going again. Or know? swapping out heads for two grand a pop. Or swapping out <laughs> right? heads and you're stressed out because your customer's calling, you looking for their order and you can't deliver. So, so that's one of the key things that we do. So we degas the ink. And what that means is that You know, uh, uh, ink can, certain types of ink can actually create a gas, which can form bubbles inside of it, or it can get, you know, air bubbles in it. And when you get an air bubble going through an ink line, when it hits the print end, guess what happens? No ink comes out. So that's one of the things that we did. And then the second thing we did, um, which is one of our core technologies, we have this on a lot of our machines, any machine running white ink, it's called an ink circulation technology. Now, the manufacturers that also have ink circulation, essentially what it is, is when you do the plumbing and you put the white ink in, there's a pump system that circulates ink through the lines. Now, having an ink circulation system is great, but ours is a little bit different because we actually circulate the ink right into the damper, which is directly above the printhead as well. Most ink circulation systems stop before the damper. So, again, that damper could contain some ink in it, and over time it could settle, and you could still have clogging issues. So, ideally, you want it in the damper if you can So, those are kind of the two sort of big things that we did. And, I mean, I, I, think I know you can speak to this. You have this machine and you run it, you're not seeing white dropout like you would see, you know, traditionally in some of these other pieces of technology that were coming in. Totally. So I those mean, are the big points.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is – the fir- when we sold the Chinese machines, part of the pitch was – You know, although China will tell you, you could just run these things and walk away, you can't. You have to babysit the machine because if you went away for an hour or two hours, first of all, the film might bunch up, smash the heads and you blow your heads. But if that doesn't happen, you would leave, come back and have, you know, half the role banded and have to reprint everything, which is super frustrating and expensive. Right. Um, Yeah yeah so that was one of the one of the things that we really saw them come to market and we told people this is the first machine you could truly print and walk away which massively reduces the labor cost right? Um, right that was one of the huge advantages touching on your point about the chinese um um ink and, and your ink you know you guys have that control and like you said, the ink manufacturers are not the manufacturers that are making the equipment and there's a huge disconnect there. It's very mm. often that we would see that the ink manufacturers um would uh all of a sudden have a new ink to offer you or i'm buying ink direct from a supplier because you know there's two three four five big companies in china that's basically selling it to everybody but you know china for example would say without telling you that's the issue they would give you a new cyan and black because apparently was less harsh in the head we experienced this ourselves um which is great, awesome, cool. Thank you for improving the technology. The problem oh, is they don't communicate to that to us. They don't communicate that to the equipment supplier. So all of a sudden, profiles are off. Customers are getting right. different prints. So th- when the OEM manufacturer is controlling the ink, and also controlling the uh, equipment, you see a much better, um, you know, seamless communication, and the entire process just a lot smoother.
1: I would add the RIP to that as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, because because that that's all it's all designed to integrate and work together. And you know, depending on your application, I don't I don't think this is so much the case with TX stuff, but I mean if you're a well-established print shop and you've got multiple devices and you know you're one roll-to-roll printer and one flatbed and you know, one tabletop UV and they're all different manufacturers, yeah, it might it might make sense for you to to third party rip that so that you have, you know, a a consistent workflow throughout your whole business. But in terms of you know the type of client that's probably using um txf you know uh, that that may not be the case but what i like about you know having i call that a closed delivery system you know you have one manufacturer that's yep. giving you the printer the ink and the rip so if you have a problem guess who you talk to <laughs> you talk to one yep. manufacturer you know and i think from a customer support point of view um you know that that's that's uh that's a nice way to go and Typically, you know, if we're troubleshooting issues, if there are issues and we troubleshoot, we we revert back to our RIP first, and we you know this act because we work together quite a bit. We start at first and go, okay, is, is everything functioning kind of as it should be? And if it's functioning proper, properly as it should be with our RIP, then we need to take a look at what's happening with the other with the other RIP. But you know, it's important in the way everything works. I don't know if you guys know how a piezo head works, but essentially there's a there's a small baffle inside or diaphragm inside the print head and when it receives an electrical charge it flexes and when it flexes it jets ink and you know to have variable Hmm. dot technology what you do is you vary the voltage and you vary the flex and change the size of the ink droplet that actually comes out of the machine and again, um, this is something that can be calibrated. Our technicians run a specific test, and they actually take a look at how these voltage patterns are affecting the droplet size. But um, yeah, it's 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 interesting. And again, if, if you if you have that disconnect, I'm not saying there's going to be problems. There's plenty of companies that, that do it, but I think having that one closed um, delivery system with the, all the three pieces of equipment working together, I think, is a little bit easier to implement, in my opinion.
2: Oh, a hundred percent. And I feel like. Well, with that being said, with the, the enclosed system that you guys are selling, the ink, the rip and the machine, like for us, like Zach, if I'm not mistaken, we went with the 300 machine, right? Which is the bigger yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. So we went with the 300. The reason why is because we want print speed. Yeah. But why did Mimaki make the 150 and the 300? Like for us as a print shop, to it's a no brainer. Pricing difference. You're going to pay these machines off super quickly because of, you don't have to make screens, like just labor costs, right? And there's less downtimes with the Mimaki compared to the Chinese. So why was there, how did Mimaki feel there was a market for the 150? Because when I look at it, I was like, I was just going to buy 300 all day. Yeah, that'd be difficult
1: for me to speak to because, you know, I, I wasn't involved with the development of, you know. Um, it's,
2: or maybe it's who's just, the yeah. ideal client for the 150? Well, right, like,
1: it's, you know, I mean, ultimately, the two machines, the the differences in the production speeds, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, with with a one hundred and fifty, you know, you're looking at somewhere around, um, you know, two hundred and twenty kind of left chest logos per hour, and then when you get into the three the three hundred series, well, you're you're sort of doubling that. So, so realistically. You know, Hmm. I think that's where you start is you take, yeah, yeah, you take a look at what your needs are and, uh, and, and, you know, you, you, you purchase the equipment kind of based on not just your needs today, but, you know, maybe your needs over the next few years. And there's kind of two paths you can go down. You can look at taking a 150 series, excuse me, and, and adding a second unit, if you have space and having redundancy of having, and, you know, the safety and security of having two units. So one does go down to repair, you have the second unit going. Um, I think really it comes down to just what your needs are in terms of production. Yeah, essentially the way it works is that you know with the with the with the 150 series, you know we're sharing um, some of those ink channels for not just the the, the CMYK but also the white. And then in yep. the 300 series, we have one print head there dedicated specifically for the ink. So that's really the difference between the two.
0: Yeah, I mean yeah. I've seen. The types of customers are buying the 150. Um, obviously, there's a couple uh, variables that come into play. One is price point. You know, um, it's not a huge price difference to get three times the speed, but that's one of them. I mean, if some people are buying their first machine, it's a new business; they're not sure about the volumes that they're going to have. Oh, for um, sure. You know, people, who, for example, who. Are not, let's say you're an embroidery shop and you just, you know, you've been outsourcing your screen printing, you're outsourcing your DTG or your DTF. You're like, I just want to do a little bit and we'll see how it goes. And I'll add later on. I mean, if if you've outgrown that machine, you're making money. Who cares if you got to buy a second one or upgrade, whatever the case is? Or if you're, you know, uh, someone who just sells t shirts on Etsy, you know, or Amazon, you're not someone who's, Printing thousands of shirts for the corporate space, right? Um, so we've definitely seen, and we see that in other platforms too, like, you know, with the brother, we have the GTX Pro, we got the GTX Pro B, the GTX 600. And you kind of, and that's the dealer's responsibility to qualify. Like when someone comes to me, I don't just say you want to go to the TXF 300. I say, okay, tell me about your business. What are your goals? What do you think your volume is going to be now? What do you think it's going to be in six months, a year, two years from now? And then from there, I can give an educated, um, you know, recommendation as to the right type of technology. It's not about always go with the biggest machine. You know, we, no, we see it's that, not that always be like
2: be like Sean and, and, and want to buy the best. No, and the biggest yeah, one, right? yeah, I, I guess that's, <laughs> that's just my I, I that's guess that's where my thing. question. Yeah, I guess that's where my question was was heading at first, because we're always like, OK, can we buy the LTS? Can we? we always want to get the biggest baddest machine because we know we're going to outfill that like production right. but yeah. uh, no for sure it makes sense now and especially i think answering to the market that had chinese machine too at first if you go with a two head or if you go with a four head of like the chinese now you get comparable where you have the the one head or the two head mamaki right Yeah,
1: so, it's really it's i think it's really about just vertical integration you yeah. know kind of uh trying to be able to have some different offerings there that that you know kind of with um, Customers different needs, you know, and, and the way they grow their businesses, yeah.
0: Yeah, smart. touching on speed, Lucas, because this is something that my customers are always really confused about. So I figured it'd be a good thing for you to touch on. People are like, okay, well, if I can do X amount with the TXF150, if I put two heads, it's supposed to be double. Why is it not double? Because with the Chinese machines, if I have one white and one CMYK head, and then I get two more, I double the speed, right? So can you explain why... You get three times the speed. This might be a tricky one for you. It's a little technical. Three times the speed instead of double.
1: Yeah, this this would actually be one that yeah I would probably have to defer to somebody else that, <laughs> I hadn't actually considered that, but but I, I think it it's probably got to do um, uh, with pass counts. Uh, so so when you when you're printing, your print head moves from from left yep. to right. That's what we call the scan direction, and then your media feed moves forward. We call this the feed direction. So you know, in in some of these machines, when you when you change the um, the way the nozzles are configured, essentially you've got you've got a whole head of eight. You've got eight nozzles or eight uh, channels, channels now dedicated to white instead of four. Right. So um, I think it just has to do with probably needing less pass counts uh, to produce the same resolution, but uh, I'm not 100% sure on that. So don't I, even me. for
0: me. So from what I remember, because I remember I asked Kevin and I think Kevin asked one of the technicians and to my understanding, and I might like you not be a hundred percent accurate because it's getting a little technical, but yeah. from my understanding with the, Single printhead machine. Not all the channels are being used, so I think there's uh, some channels that are 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 not being used. so It's like, let's say, it's like you're using one and a half of the head, and then you add a second one. You're using one and a half. Well, then there's your other half ahead, which makes up three times yep. the speed. I, I, it might be a little bit more technical, so maybe you we'll have to look into that at some well, point.
1: Well, I I think like you say, what what you're doing here is so I'm just kind of looking at a document here while we're talking. So <laughs> you know, it's it's an eight channel eight channel printhead, which we know, right? And so we have. We've black, cyan, white, yellow, white, white, magenta, and white in the TXF one uh, one hundred and fifty, and then we, when we switch to the three hundred, you know we've got it. We've got a, It's completely dedicated to just um, just the white ink. So what we're doing is we're doubling up on our cyan, magenta, yellow, and black because now we have two channels for each of those colors. Makes sense, and that's yeah, yep.
0: definitely. This is just a testament to our users who think that anything here is scripted. Nothing's here scripted. We're on the fly here. <laughs> all right um okay so let's we talked about some of the features Uh, another really exciting feature that um, some of my clients have been interested especially the sports apparel decorators is a variable data function technology that you guys have can you touch a little bit on that to my understanding it's not new you guys have had that with the printed vinyl so it's easy to implement into dtf i think but do you mind just touching a little bit on that I can
1: explain what it is. Um, I haven't actually had a chance to play with it myself, uh, you know, and this, this would have been a great, a great um, event to maybe have Victoria, like who's our, who's our product specialist on to talk about this because the product specialists have the advantage of actually, you know, they, they get to go in and run these machines day in and day out. I've used the machine and made some stuff for myself just for fun to see what it's like um, and for my kids and stuff like that. But uh, I haven't variable data, but essentially what variable data is, what you do is when you're design software, you make your design and then um, you use a, a custom spot color, uh, a shape like a box or a rectangle. Yeah. And you name that spot color uh, to correspond with an Excel spreadsheet. And it sounds a little convoluted. But essentially what happens is then you populate that Excel spreadsheet with could be text or could even be images. And then you merge the two together. And so what it does is let's say we had a, a shirt for for Sean, Zach, and, and Lucas, well, we have one design file, but in the center we have one box that says, you know, could be customer name, for example, as a spot color, and then a column in our spreadsheet says customer name, and uh, we merge them together, and it'll just put, Smart. it'll create the three documents for us, essentially. So if you're doing, you know, sporting teams, this is a great example of uh, that so type of can- an application.
2: So you give the Excel spreadsheet to your client. I'm talking as a printer, right? So you give the Excel spreadsheet to your client for school, whatever, sports team, and they can fill it out. They can send back that back to you, and then you can just print yeah. it Yeah, and then they yeah. can
1: be responsible for the spelling For mistakes. the misprints. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> That's yes,
0: crazy. Let's say you're doing a whole league, right? You don't have to sit there and create a file and like Lucas said, no, every single one. I mean, I know when I printed I made that mistake. I mean, you're just typing yeah. it in, but it's so many names. Eventually you're gonna you're gonna find yeah. a problem somewhere. Oh, copy so. and paste, yeah, yeah.
2: you copy and paste one letter wrong. Like there's there's so many ways to to make mistakes. This is yeah. super when are we getting our machine, Zach? <laughs> <laughs> Lucas, when are we getting our machine? Yeah, uh, exactly. Oh man, just keep...
0: that Lucas some... passes it on to the next guy. When are we getting the machine? <laughs> Yeah, There's I mean I, this month.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. we sold okay.
0: a bunch at the Toronto Imprint Show. I mean, it was—I I don't know how many exactly, but probably at least four or five. Um, yeah, it's a great. ton of interest. Yeah, that's a, good show. So. That's a nice, yeah. nice, side, nice yeah, show.
2: side note. How's going? the show? I didn't get to make it. How's the show?
0: Excellent. Yeah, yeah, we did yeah. our uh, forty thousand uh, dollar RB Digital giveaway? screen print package giveaway. You know, we had all our suppliers, M and R being the main supplier. Um, It was won by Merch Co which is a shop in Toronto. Oh, he actually bought the floor model Mamaki DTF. No way. So he going to wait. Look at Sean's face. Like, no way. That was an option. Well, don't worry, Sean. Yours is coming in two weeks. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we we had one there. I was going to take it into uh, my showroom and basically, uh, you know, continue printing here. And he's like, look, I need this and I need it now. So let me take this one home. And then if you have a customer that needs to see it, my doors are always open. Which he has been. He oh, bought good. a ton of M and R stuff. And he's been a great showroom for me. So uh thank you, Jamie Delaney for Merchcole. We'll I appreciate that very much. Yeah, likewise, um, thank you.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks for taking the machine.
0: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Sorry, Sean. <laughs> well, Sean, you're kind of in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it took me a five and a half hour drive there, and then I caught snow back. So nine and a half hours coming coming back home to wrap my car, so it'd be a little bit tough to, to get all the guys in Toronto to drive out there to see it, so don't, oh, uh, don't take it too offensively. Uh, Lucas, any other features before we jump on that, that Mamaki's done in this machine uh, that are either A, unique uh, to the space, or unique yeah. in this printer?
1: Yeah, yes, for sure. Uh, probably one of the big ones is our, uh, again, some of our core technologies, what we call our NCU, uh, so our nozzle chip system utility we call it nozzle check utility and our nozzle recovery system so this is pretty standard technology across our platform but essentially what we do is uh, within the machines there's a little section uh, of the machine that has a light emitter and a light receiver in it and so what happens is the printhead will pass over this section and it'll jet ink uh, periodically into this uh, it's like a trough with the emitter on one side and the receiver on the other side. So it's a light beam essentially. And um, what happens is, is the machine will then detect if the beam of light actually makes it from the emitter to the receiver. And if it does, then the machine was, there are some clogged nozzles. And uh, so what we can do with that is depending on the print speed and the print mode we use, we can preset some certain conditions to remap and use other nozzles. Now, what's cool in the, uh, in the 300 in particular is like, as you said, we, we have those the, the two two cyan two magenta two yellow and two black channels in that one printhead. So if channel one was missing, you know, a couple of nozzles, we could just substitute with the nozzles from the other channel and continue to print. So what you so would do is why, in fact
2: while it's printing it, it's yeah, yeah, it's, it's done.
1: It's done. It's done while it's printing. So it's in fact, what's yeah. happening is you're kind of negating the old way of doing it with other printers that I used to work on. Like, and you touched on this earlier. Like, you know, you press print. You go, you answer the phone, you do some emails, whatever. You come back and you see banding in your friend. You're like, oh crap. So then you stop and then you do a test print to check your nozzle condition, realize you have, clog- realize you have clogged nozzles, probably do a manual cleaning before you do your automated cleanings uh, and then try to do a test print again and resolve. So what this does is it is it eliminates that in specific print modes and specific, uh, print speeds. And I don't remember exactly what those are for this machine, There are some conditions and then depending on the printer model, because this is across the range yeah. of Mamaki products, um, those conditions will be different depending on the print head and the number of nozzles and the configuration, whether like you're staggered or in line or whatever. So, but it's a very cool technology piece that, um, that we have had for a long time. Nozzle check and nozzle recovery is something we've been doing for, for a long time. And it basically, it's just meant to increase the uptime and, uh, yeah, and downtime. your downtime and interruptions
2: essentially. So See, I, yeah, I didn't and know all this. So yeah, now I'm you, just you, more you, excited. Oh, well, you, you just go. trust me when I sell you
0: something, I say, Sean, you need this. And you're like, all right, you make I my know, day. Whereas some I customers, know. they're like, okay, give me the 900 reasons why I should buy this. Well, so. next
2: time, next time I'm <laughs> going to have to reread the pamphlet and be like, hey, Zach, what's the feature on the, like, why am I buying this machine? You told me it was yeah. good. Like, what? Like, this is insane. The variable data NCU or NRS, that's great. There's just less downtime for your operators. So they can that's just the run more shirts. Yeah, so we can set the, the computer, update more jobs, send more jobs to the printer, cut more sheets. Yeah. That's insane. Like, yeah, yeah. that's, a, that's really, a big really selling cool point.
0: Here. I mean, one of the biggest selling points, and this is part of that technology they're talking about, Sean, is that traditionally you would need to be in a temperature and humidity controlled environment. Yeah. You know, it, the other Chinese machines don't have this technology. So if it's not in the perfect space, you're going to get a lot of banding. So we uh, we sell and we still do. I mean, obviously you don't want to put the, the Mamaki uh, in the desert, right? I mean, the, the better, no. it's just going to do less cleaning. So it still should be in a temperature and humidity controlled environment. Like we saw these really nice, uh, um, Aikuchi dry humidification systems. These misters are amazing. I used to run them at my print shop. Um, And uh, it's it's an excellent piece of technology, but if you don't have that with the Chinese machines, game over. Whereas the Mamaki, so even at the trade show that we were just at, right? the Mamaki, we just had that thing printing all day long. No temperature, no humidification control, no mister. And all the other Chinese machines, they're kind of just chilling there, right? And then someone's like, oh, I want to see a print. They're like, no problem. Flush, 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 flush. Okay, we're ready to go. Or they had all these misters around it. You know, they're trying to do everything they can. Whereas the Mamaki, that's part of my pitch. I say, look, it doesn't have to be in the perfect environment. If you have a print shop, you could put it out in the open with the rest of your equipment. You don't have to put it in a little office with tons of misters. Obviously, if you can put it in a cleaner environment, Lucas looked looking at me like, well, there's a lot of lint flying around, Zach, so it probably shouldn't be next to your auto. But some shops, they don't have a choice. You know? It's yeah, hot or really nice. Um, It can't get too hot. And Lucas, this is actually, we had one client. You know, It was like his environment was 37 degrees. And he's like, wow. hey, man, the machine's not printing in this environment. And I'm like, well there's reasons for that Lucas Obviously. you can touch on that but yeah. first of all no one should be in that environment number one no. but number two there's no. a reason why Mamaki has actually built in technology which Lucas will touch on as to why they're not letting you print at that temperature
1: yeah yeah we we actually have a specification it's pre, it's a pretty standard specification but relative humidity yeah. and temperature and then a range at, at which the machine should be in um, and you can find those like if you go to our website at mamakiusa.com and you're you know you're reading about a specific product if you scroll down to the bottom of the page and you look into specifications you'll see that it's also in your literature when you purchase your machine uh there's several reasons why um you know humidity and environment are and it can relate to everything from profiling to you know um just making sure we're not uh, uh, uh creating more challenges for the printer than we need for example like a really high uh, humidity a really low humidity level depending on the type of substrate you're running across the platen and what the platen made from, you yeah. could actually create static as the, uh, as the substrate, it's friction, right? So as it moves across the platen, it could generate static. Now if it's generating static and the print heads going like this back and forth across the top, That's those ink droplets are like, we're talking microns, right? They're insanely small and insanely lightweight. So a little bit of a static discharge will, will cause a number of things to happen. It could cause the ink droplet to uh, land erratically in the wrong place. It could cause the ink to pool on the bottom of the printhead and then just drip suddenly onto the surface. Like there's a lot of potential print quality issues that can arise from uh, poorly controlled environments. So you really should uh, pay attention to those specifications and do your best to make sure that the printer's in a suitable environment.
0: Yeah. One, uh, I mean, when, when this cus when this issue happened, um, you know, uh, our service manager, Lucas service, Mark Noden, shout out Mark. He's, a uh- awesome service manager, uh, he actually He's said that when you go that high, like 36, 37, you're actually the, the viscosity of the ink can change. So change, you don't yeah. want to jet that through the head because that's going to cause you head problems. Whereas the Chinese machine, you could print that thing in the oven. You're just going to blow the head. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, that's that's what I was told. And I thought that that was pretty awesome that I had that built-in technology. And yeah. I mean,
2: as, as a shop owner, like we've it's been what, how, 14 years we've been doing large format and every distributor has told us like humidity control your temperature control yeah. that and when you start you're like yeah okay yeah my temperature is good ah, i think i'm fine because you're small you don't have that much cash flow right so you don't think about these things but the investment once you do it and you see the change of like the quality that you print especially with like large format and not yeah. just that but your vinyl that you're printing on the temperature where it's controlled you get yeah. so much better quality um, so for us like that's one of the things I wish we would have done sooner. Now like the whole shop is controlled humidity, temperature. So it's heated during like winter, and everything is controlled. Um yeah, it, but just making that it, change, it's massive. Yeah. Yeah, it's massive.
1: well said, Sean. And it can impact your colors too when you're profiling.
2: You yep. know,
1: um, if you're really color, color critical and you're doing, you know, um, Coke red, TD, TD green, you know whatever and you have to hit these colors um yep. you know not only having and creating print profiles is important, but you, you, you may need to check them throughout the year as humidity levels, you know, really change. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's actually really, really important to have a suitable environment for the, for the device, for sure.
2: Yeah, just controlling your environment so you control your variable, right? With screen yeah. printing, there's so many variables, same thing. You want to control it as much as you can. But, like, with all these amazing things that a machine does, why isn't or like, why didn't Mimaki opt not to make any film, powder, or, like, even the shaker? Why is that not in Mamaki's head or, or why is not out yet? Like what's the, the reason behind that?
1: Uh, you know, I not part of the engineering group that creates the products yeah. and puts them to market. So I, I can't really answer that question definitively. Um, but I mean, just as someone who's been involved in business for a long time, you know, I would say that in a lot of cases, people stick to what they're good at. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's we're good printers and, and you know, the software and the ink that, that drives them. So, you know, to, to try to then go and manufacture film and do that. I, I just don't know if that's within something that we would want to take. Oh, on. It I, make, I, I'm, it makes I'm speaking, sense. I'm speaking just my own, not on behalf of yeah. the company. Cause I really don't know, but just my own, my <laughs> own sense on it. Yeah. That's no, what it, I would say. It, it
2: makes complete sense. And I, yeah. I think it goes back to like what we talked earlier, where like the quality that the machines are coming out and, and like, the downtime we're able to have is because you guys are so focused with the R&D and everything on the machines, on the printers. And just focusing on that, I think, is, is the goal for Maki. And it, it makes sense. Like the shaker is a pretty simple thing to, to build. And why wouldn't Maki spend money engineering making something that it's, it's, it's like it's running, right? It works. The film, like yeah. if you have a good film, it works. The powder, it works. Um, yeah. And everything that's not working is the printer right now. So now having that solved, I guess you get the right solution. So, yeah, no, it makes sense. Sure. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and I think obviously, I mean, if, if you know, uh, as you know, the Japanese technology is always going to be more expensive than the Chinese. If they did opt to go with the Japanese shaker, which who knows, they might do in three, six, nine, twelve 12 months. I mean, if they see that these Chinese machines are going to be giving them headaches, um, yeah. you know, which they have been pretty stable, uh, it's going to be a lot more expensive. And again, it just uh, increases the, the barrier entry for the average person. And touching on the oh, film, sure. Sean, you know. Like, how many different whites have you tested in, in the course of your screen printing career? I mean, and you're constantly changing them and trying new things. The same things with film. Some people want a cold peel. Some people want a hot peel. Some people want single-sided. Some people want double-sided. Yeah. Some people want a, uh, you an know, instant hot peel. It's, there's just so many. Or some people want a matte finish. Some people want a gloss finish. So for Mamaki to, like, try and cover everyone's bases, we're going to make uh, 20 films. Make you know what I mean? So that that's great. another challenge, and uh, you know, powder's powder is <laughs> powder. I've never, I've tried a bunch of different powders. There's some that are like they the really, work. really cheap stuff doesn't work. But for the most part, as long as it's decent, you're not cheaping on the powder, seems to be getting a uh, you know pretty decent results. So, um, so Lucas, all right, we got a question for you. Don't know if you Uh-oh. could answer it, but right um, on the DTF platform, we like what we see right now. Is there anything that you guys are currently working on or already have announced that you guys are going to be putting into the system? Like Sean and I have some ideas of things that we think could be cool. Like when I was pitching to him, he's like, does it have this, this, this? Is there anything that you guys are working on right now that you're allowed to share?
1: I think I know my answer, but maybe not. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah, to, to be honest, I, I I actually, to be honest, no, I I don't know. You know, um, okay. we, we we tend to find out when uh, you know when the engineering group is uh, closer to uh, you know to bringing stuff to to market. As you know, these are both pretty new props, really uh, launched within what was it a year ago in April, I think yep. um, at, yep. at ISA. So you know, um, typical life cycle of a product, you know. You you could see this similar technology existing for five years before you see kind of any any radical changes, but uh, I'm not aware of anything at the moment. That doesn't mean to say that. I'm sure the team are working on something, but as to what it is, I I couldn't say.
2: Well, I mean. You were saying earlier, right, that the team goes to the distributors and talks as to what's coming next, now like all that. So maybe mm. just send me an email when the team's gonna go yeah. see RB, and I'll jump in. I'll be like, "Oh, I want hexa color. I want that." No, I'm yeah. just, I'm, I, just I mean, I'm just, messing around. I'm just Julia, messing around.
0: I mean, I mean, for me, obviously, you could always get more speed. So they might. Throw yeah. more heads at it, but then again, yeah. you have to weigh out, like you said earlier, do you want to increase, you know, the number of heads, or do you want to duplicate machines? If you're in a small space, you might want a four-head machine because you can't fit something else, right? Um, I yep. think spot color fluorescence would be cool. Um, you guys have that in some of your other technologies, like your dye sub, right? Dye sub, yeah, yeah, so yeah. We do cool in thing. our dye sublim- sublimation applications. Yes, we have. Yeah. some
1: really unique well, things. Yeah, that's interesting. Or also,
0: you know, bulk bulk tanks would be cool with obviously still a degassing system, which you also have in some of your own models. So yeah. you guys have all the stuff you need to continually checking off our, our checklist. You guys have the tech. So maybe that's all being the version two of the Mamaki <laughs> TXF series. It's exciting. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, obviously, I think that uh, we've seen that the industry is intrigued and they like the Mamaki TXF, whether they're listening to our podcast or watching some YouTube videos. Um, or just, you know, seeing other shops posting on Instagram or the Facebook forums, it seems to be one of the really trending uh, brands out there right now in the space. Um, but let's say some of our users want to come and get hands-on experience with it, you know, play with the machines, um, you know, peel it themselves, maybe bring some files. What would you recommend is the best option or options? Yeah. For
1: you? Yeah. Uh, uh, great, great question. I mean, as I said earlier, um, The way we handle the business in North America is it's divided into regions, uh, both in Canada and the United States and throughout other parts of the world as well. So depending on where you are, uh, the best thing to do would be to go to our website and um, find the different technology centers and then reach out to those places to ask if you can come in for a product demo. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, you know, for for my team here, um, we're in the the greater Toronto area in Ontario. Uh, For those of you who are in the GTA, we're at um, Highway 7 and um, Credit Stone is where our location is. Um, You know, you can reach out to your dealer and just let them know, hey, I want to check out the the TFX. I want to see a print. I want to print some stuff for myself and take it home and transfer it. We also have some samples available right in the, the shop that we can give you as well. So you can go home and take your heat press and make a few things and wash it and wear it and step on it and do whatever you got to do it uh, to, to, to 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 just, to just kind of see how easy it is to use. Um, so that's what I would do is you go to com and then if you go to, I think it's about, you'll find kind of all the different locations or contact I'll put the links. Oh, I'll put the links. Yeah. yeah, I'll put so, the links in the description and then, of and YouTube then we can and yeah, and we can set up a, a proper demonstration the way we like to do it in Canada is if we're doing a demonstration, um, we like to partner with the dealer. So we'd partner up with Zach here in this, and um, there's that little form we like you to complete so we understand what you want to see, get our artwork and things like that ahead of time so that when you come in, have a coffee with us, and see the thing go, um, you know, it's, it's a nice and smooth process, and we don't take any more of your time than you need. So if you want to book one, um, reach out to Zach, and we'll set it up for you.
2: And now you Definitely. have all the language, right? Like, oh, okay, so yeah, this is the one that <laughs> yeah. the, does the NCU yeah. and NRS yeah, yeah. and very, yeah, exactly. So since yeah. you listen to the podcast, now you can ask the good questions, educated buyer, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I
1: mean, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Zach.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Sean and I are actually flying down to uh, Long Beach. Um, yep. you know, oh, he's nice. going to see what's new tech. I'm going to be there, obviously representing RB Digital uh, with some of my uh, staff and my partner. Um,
2: what do you mean? So I You're going a- as InkPod?
0: No. InkPod's not paying for my flight, buddy.
2: <laughs>
0: um, so, yeah, so that'll be a, uh, a great place as well. I, I know at Printing United, there was tons of Mamaki dealers. So I think that's going to be a cool yep. Yep. spot. Um, also, sure. there's that uh, DTF Expo that uh, we had kind of touched on in our last podcast with Andy from DTF Superstore. So that's February 22nd to 23rd. Sorry, 23rd yep. to 24th. Um, so, yeah, it seems like that's another really I... good spot to kind of see what's going on in the space.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, I could be wrong, but I think ISAs is coming up in uh, April in Florida as well, which will yep, be a big, yep. uh, big, big event for us. And, you know, Mamaki has an amazing presence at, you know, those ISA, SGIA, those big events, you know, we're, we've got a really good presence there. And it's a good opportunity to come in and, and speak with the the um, the, the segment specialists uh, as well, you know, because they, they can talk at a much better knowledge level than I can on the technical side of things. Very cool.
2: Amazing. Awesome. Amazing. Well, uh, again, thanks for coming on and, and talking, talking shop, talking print machines, talking yeah. whatever. Like we, we like to talk about business and everything. Right. Uh, so thank you for taking the time to jump in the podcast. Now, Zach, you know what? Last week I was slacking. on We weren't on Apple Music and Amazon, but now we're everywhere. So That's Spotify, true. YouTube, Apple Music, Amazon Music. so everywhere. You know where to find us, Inc. Pod Podcast. Thanks, everybody, for joining and uh, catch you next um, week.
0: I'm leveling up here, too. I just got a mic. Uh, Lee Stewart yep. picked it out for me. He also recommended some. I haven't figured out how to use these yet. So <laughs> I'm running a Surface Pro for all this. So I got to give there's our a, vehicle and see if we get a PC. A power power I
2: button. I, then to...
0: <laughs> I have no idea. Tell so him, Tell them to get just, you a Mac.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. There we
0: go. Does, does, run, does the Macs? Actually, quick little thing before we take off. Do Macs
1: run on the Mac-ies? Uh You can run. Uh, you, well, you, What you can do is on a Mac, you can run Windows. Yeah, well, here we go so no <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i'm honestly i'm not 100 sure on that most people most yeah. people most though, when, that's why we yeah, stick people to, who do see the here. kind of stuff that i do mac is really really key
2: oh we run Mac here yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 cool yeah for sure well, again thank all you
1: all very right. much
0: lucas uh thank thanks you so much for having me tuning guys. In. really appreciate We're it looking forward to having everyone here next week take care see you awesome take
1: care guys bye now